where did the time go? Have you thought about that? Where did the time go? It seems like just a couple of days ago we started this series. The reality, the answer to that question, did you know that people actually know where the time went? Did you know there are actually people in our country that, that make a living with stats and that can tell you where your time went over the course of a lifetime? Did you know that? Did you know that research suggests that over the course of a lifetime we spend 115 hours laughing? 115 hours. That's six minutes a day, and it's not near enough. And the reason that I know that it's not near enough is because in 1950, we laughed three times as much as that. And laughter is really good. That's one of those things that we should do more of. It, it releases those positive endorphins in the brain. It's healthy for the body. Did you know that over the course of a lifetime, we will spend 26 years sleeping? 26 years sleeping. That's over 227,000 hours, so get a good mattress. Seven years of our lives, seven years of our life, we spent lying awake in bed at night, not able to sleep because we're worried about this and we're worried about that. We will spend over 21,000, 21,170 hours over the course of a lifetime, we will spend on our smartphones. True story. That's shocking. We spend 99,000 hours, 117 hours over the course of a lifetime at work. That makes sense. We spend 20 weeks being put on hold by whatever company you want to pick. You ever been there before? And then an hour later they get back with you. We spend 11 years, 11 years over a lifetime, 11 years sitting in front of a little box that we call television, watching this and watching that. Over the course of a lifetime, we will have spent five years searching the internet online, and we will spend over five months complaining. Wow, we've been busy. Some of those things are really positive and some of those things are not so positive, but we're busy. And as we wrap up this series on time, it's appropriate to ask ourselves this question. What does it look like? What does it look like for me? And exactly what does it look like for you? If, and remember if is the biggest two-letter word in the English language because it suggests possibilities. What would it look like if we lived our lives if our days are numbered. And is that even a biblical question to consider? And the answer is yes. Because in Psalms chapter 90, verse 12, the Bible tells us, Teach us, O Lord, to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom, that we may gain a heart of understanding. And so as we wrap up this series on time this morning, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're looking at verses 1 through 4. And we're going to study from the wisest man who ever lived. The Bible calls him Solomon, son of David. And, and so just to give you a little bit of a disclaimer as we, we look at these first four verses, it's kind of his thesis statement for the book of Ecclesiastes. It's his one big idea. But I want to give you a disclaimer. It's not the most positive verses that we're ever going to read. But it'll end on a positive note. It'll end on a positive note. So let's get started in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, um, beginning in verse 1. The Bible says, The words of the teacher, son of David, king of Jerusalem. Meaningless is meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Well, that's just a ray of sunshine, is it not? Why don't we close our Bibles up right there and just go home? Well, it gets better. Verses 3 and 4. You ready? Verse 3. What does man gain from all of his labor, at which he toils under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. 
The earth remains forever. And so the key word in the, the book of Ecclesiastes is under the sun. Or if you're reading in Old King James, it would be vanity is vanity, all is vanity, under the sun. And that little catchphrase, those three words, under the sun, that's key. Well, let's answer the question for a moment. Who is Solomon? Who is this wisest man who ever lived that's penning this book? Really some of the last things that he had to say while on earth. Who was Solomon? Well, we know Solomon was David's son. We know that Solomon was the third, the third king of England, of, of, of Israel. We know that he was also the uh, brilliant man. We know that he was a scientist. We know that he was a builder, an architect. And we know that he reigned during the golden years of the nation of Israel. Why is that so significant? It's significant because he had peace on every border. He had peace on every border. He didn't have to contend with wars. And why is that significant? It's significant because it gave him ample time. He had a surplus of time to think, which was positive. And he also had a surplus of time to experiment, which was not so positive. And so when we come to this book, Ecclesiastes, Solomon's teaching us some interesting, interesting lessons. And in chapter 9, in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, beginning in verse 11, here's what he had to say. It gives us the secret to the whole book. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to everyone. So it's not the person that's the smartest. It's not the person that's in the best shape that wins the race. Time and chance happen to everyone. There's that phrase again, under the sun. If you're a note taker, if you, 29 times, I would write that down, 29 times, 29 times in, this, in these 12 chapters, Solomon uses the phrase, under the sun. Now here's what we can deduce from that. If all we have to life is under the sun, if all we have is what we can see, what we can taste, what we can touch, what we can experience, if all we have is under the sun, then our bookends are meaningless. But Solomon, in his infinite wisdom, he baits us. He pulls us in. He baits us in to go just a little bit deeper and that's what he tells us in verse 11. There is no box. There is no one-size-fits-all. There is no box where we can put everything in in life that happens to me and that happens to you. There is no box that we can stick everything in that will make complete sense under the sun. It's just not going to happen. That's why he says in verse 11, the race is not to the swift. It's not. Food doesn't come to the wise and success to the learned things don't always make sense now did Jesus agree with that statement yes he did it was Jesus in the sermon on the mount that said the rain falls on the just and the unjust the righteous and the unrighteous stated another way bad things sometimes happen to good people my dad taught me that at age 51 he, he was paralyzed from the waist down he spent the last 20 years of his life in a wheelchair in the VA hospital 
Many people uh, in our country today and all around the world are grieving because of the terrorist attacks that hit Paris this past weekend. And innocent people lost their lives. That means innocent family members like you and me will be grieving and mourning the lives of those individuals that, that lost their lives this weekend. Solomon was right. Sometimes bad things do happen to good people. But it's not everything that happens to us is not just under the sun. And he gives us, when he baits us to go a little bit deeper, he gives us a ray of hope. And he gives us that ray of hope in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. Here's what Solomon said. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. There it is. He's put it in my heart. He put it in your heart. He puts eternity in my heart. He puts eternity in your heart. In other words, God puts inside of you and He puts inside of me something that goes beyond under the sun. It's that something that, that God gets, gives us. It's what Solomon was going to learn at the end of his life. It's so much more than religion. It's so much more than rules. It's so much more than a denomination, a Baptist denomination. It's God placing that in your heart. It's living for, it's experiencing a purpose that goes beyond ourself. A purpose that extends beyond this life. It's so much deeper than theology. It's so much bigger. It's deeper than the smartest and the most intellectual of individuals. It goes beyond science. It's something beyond under the sun. It's eternity that God has put in my heart and in your heart. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 14 and 17, here's what Solomon said. Interesting. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it or nothing taken from it. God does this. So men will revere him, respect him. Verse 17, I thought in my heart, God will bring judgment, both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. There is something more in my heart and your heart that longs for things that go beyond what I can see, hear, taste, touch, an experience. And that something is eternity. That something is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And God will bring in the judgment, both the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every activity. That refrain is seen over and over throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. A time to judge every deed. Fascinating. God has put eternity in my heart and in your heart. And then to put a bow, because we have to put a bow on this because it's the last message in the series, and to put a bow on everything that Solomon says in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 12, Solomon says, and here's the summation of everything that we've talked about thus far. You ready? Fear God and keep His commandments. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the duty, this is my responsibility, this is the duty of all of mankind. For God, and he tells you why to fear God. 
And he tells you why to obey God. And if you back that up in verse 14, here's what he said, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. Whether it's good or evil. So he says, fear God and keep His commandments, because one day, whether you're good or bad, evil or righteous, God's going to bring everything that we do to judgment. And so your motivation for spending your time on things that will yield eternal dividends is because one day when we breathe our last breath and we're in the presence of a holy God, we give an account for our lives. And because of that, Solomon said, here's what you ought to do. You ought to fear God and you really ought to keep His commandments. And so what does it mean to fear God? Those are your takeaways, by the way. Fear God, keep His commandments. What does that mean? Well, the word fear in the original language means to revere. It means to take seriously. It means to respect. It means to give the individual proper attention. You know, this past week was Memorial Day. My family, my family and Mary's family has a rich history of military support. I had my dad and my uncle served in World War II. Uh, my uncle was a POW and lived to tell about it. I have an uncle that retired a full colonel in the Air Force, and uh, Mary has several of her family members that served in World War II, the Korean conflict, the Vietnam conflict. I've been to my fair share of military ceremonies. And I've yet to see a ceremony when a general walked in the room that a man in uniform gave him a head nod. Hey, general. Or a wink. When a general walks in the room, when an admiral walks in, everybody's at attention. And they respect the man in charge. And when it's appropriate, they salute him. And if he gives the command, they obey it. They don't question him. They don't say why. They just do it. And Solomon is saying, look, I've done it all. You can't outdo me. You can't out-one-up me in a conversation. You can't outbuild me. You can't outthink me. You can't out-experience me. I've done it. I've seen it all. I've done some things well, I've done some things right, and I've done some things that are not wise and didn't honor God, and I'm reaping the results. And I'm at the end of my life, and here's how you ought to spend your time as long as you're under the sun. Revere God. Take Him seriously. Respect Him. Live in awe of Him. And obey His commandments. When He tells you to do something, do it. When the Word of God says, men, love your wives as Christ loved the church, don't do it one day a week. Do it every day a week. When the Bible says, work as unto the Lord, not as unto man, don't think that belongs to somebody else. And kids, when the Bible says, honor your father and mother, honor them, whether they deserve it or not. Honor them. When the Bible says, build others up with your words, do that. Don't just take a playoff and say, well, that's for everybody else, just not for me. Obey the Word of God. Why? Because the whole counsel of God teaches us one day we will reap what we sow. And so how do you want to spend your time? How do you want to be remembered? You know, the reality of this series is simply this. How we spend our time, our most valuable commodity, reveals what matters most to us. There is no debating that. There is no saying, well, you know, I didn't want to spend 10 hours in front of the television watching this, or I didn't want to spend that, all that time online. That's what matters most. That's where you spend your time. And so Solomon is saying, you've got this time, this valuable commodity, fear God.
take him seriously and obey his commandments. Okay, let me land the plane by talking to four groups today. First, our children and for our students. You ready? Lean in, lean in. It's just for you. You ready? Lean in. Good stuff. Every day, not just Wednesday, every day, in the morning and in the evening, ask God one question. Ask Him one question. God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do today, God, that will bring honor to you? What will make Jesus look really good flowing through you? You ask God that in the morning. You ask God that in the evening. Because here's the deal. You've got your whole life ahead of you. You get to get it right today. And you get to build a life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Everybody in this room that's older than you could stand on this stage now. You know what they would say? I want a mulligan. I want a do-over. But you don't have to have a mulligan. You get to get it right today. So every day in the morning, every day in the evening, ask God, God, what can I do today that will honor you? You get to get it right now. You've got your whole life ahead of you. Ask God that every day. Not what's trending. Not what will make you look good in front of your friends. Not what will make you popular. Not what will make you cool. What will make you look good in front of Jesus. Ask Him that every day. And for my friends of you who are single, lean in. This is for you. Punt. Dispel. Don't buy in. Don't bite the hook. Don't take the bait that said, if I could just meet the right person, if I could just get the right job, if I could just buy this, if I could just possess this or possess that, then everything else will be fine and fall into place. No, it won't. You get to get it right, right now. You get to give everything you've got to your relationship with Jesus Christ. You get to be as emotionally and relationally and spiritually healthy as you will ever be now. And somebody else is not going to help that out. Not until you're where you need to be with Jesus. And then if you're married, if you're married, love and cherish Love and cherish your spouse and your kids. Oh, I wish they would treat me like this, and I just wish they would do this or that. The Bible doesn't say love them like that. The Bible says love them unconditionally. And do not trade their integrity for a job. Do not trade their integrity for a hobby. Do not trade their integrity for a ball game. Do not trade their integrity for an extracurricular activity. Love them according to the Bible now, today. Because you don't get a mulligan on today. You only get right now. Oh, one more group. Empty nesters. Lean in. No kids! Woohoo! Right? You didn't say that, but you felt it, so I just said it for you. You already know all this. You already know it. You already know all this. You know why you already know all this? Because like Solomon, you've experienced all this. So empty nesters, grandmom, granddad, lean in. Don't. Don't check out on us. Don't do it. Don't fall in the rest of the years that you have. 
Lean in. Engage. Look around this congregation. Find a young family. Find a young couple that's trying to make it and trying to do it God's way and invest in them. Pour your life into them. Invest in their kids. And you're thinking, well, I don't know them very well. Exactly. How else are you going to get to know them unless you invest in them? Ask them to lunch. Cook them dinner. Babysit their kids for free. They'll love you. And you may be thinking to yourself, you don't know me very well, Pastor. All I can tell them is what not to do. Praise God. Be authentic and transparent and say, hey, don't go down that road. Heartache and despair. Heartache and despair. The narrow way. The narrow way. Do it like that. Then tell them that. But see, we need each other. Our kids, our teens, our singles, our couples, our empty nesters. And to all of us, Solomon would say, and to all of us as we land the plane on this series, God would say, fear me, reverence me, take me seriously, and obey my commandments every day of the week. Oh, not just when it's convenient for you. Every day of the week. And what will the result be? A life of peace. An eternal fruit that will long last and outlive me and outlast and outlive you. Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that why God put us here? To invest and invest. And when we mess up, get up and re-engage and invest again and invest again so those that come behind us We'll find this a better place than what we found it. Yes. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Point people to Jesus, not to you. What a great way to invest your time. Let's pray. Lord, we love you because you first loved us, and we thank you for that. And Lord, all of us in the stillness of our hearts right now, we know Lord, we know we haven't always been lovable. Lord, we know we haven't always got it right. We know that. And so thank you for helping us, Lord, when we've blown it. Wow, thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, when we've not invested our time right, when we've gotten distracted on so many things that, frankly, would just cause us to worry and miss your best, Forgive us. Lord, where we've been living in the past, whether it's been with regrets or hurts or what somebody else did to us, help us to put that aside. Lord, help us to start afresh and anew right now, investing our time in those things, in those things that matter most to you. And Lord, thank you for consistently keeping that in front of this congregation as we get to witness your church grow, the stirred in the baptism waters, your church loving out loud, help us to respond in obedience during this response time out loud. And may our response honor you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand as we think about some next steps today. This past week and the week before last, I was reading in, the, in 1 John. 
And John said this, These things have been written that you may know that you have eternal life. There's some of you here today that don't have eternal life. And if you were to die today, you wouldn't see Jesus face to face. And we don't want that to happen. Because according to the Bible, we believe that we'll live forever in the presence of two places, heaven or hell. And so if you don't, if you don't have that peace in your heart and you want to you know that you know that you know, that when you breathe your last breath, you'll be in the presence of the Lord because the Bible assures us that we will if we know Him. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8 says that. Then you need to get that straight. And that's why we're here. Maybe you've never followed in believers' baptism like James did today. And maybe that needs to be your decision. Or maybe you haven't been investing your time well. There needs to be some readjustment in your schedule. There's a recommitment there. A recalibration. Or maybe this is the day this needs to be your new church home. Or maybe I've just forgotten something. The good news is that Jesus hasn't forgotten. And so, whatever you're going through right now, whatever adjustment needs to happen before you leave here to walk out of here in peace, make that decision right now. Don't wait. Make it today and walk out with the peace knowing that Christ is walking hand in hand with you. Join me as Ryan leads us this morning in our response time.